You can be seated in those luxury seats. I've never been in a church meeting where you can recline the seats, eat popcorn, have a drink container. What is going on here? you got to be careful, you guys, that you just don't fall asleep in those seats. I'll make sure that that doesn't happen, all right? I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, what ha- it's so much of a privilege to be with, well, I'll call it, I'll say this without mentioning all of it, the Mac family. Oh, you don't know who they are. Well, there's, a, there's Andrew, Elena, there's Steve and Karen, they're over there. That's mum and dad and there's son and, and you sure saw Elena and Andrew's leading the church and all the rest of it. Um, they are friends of our family, friends of ours, and we are very grateful for that connection so for me, it's a wonderful thing to be here today. I'll tell you how it works. Some of you might have seen me around a bit. It works like this. I come through here uh, every year and I do a, a sort of a swap. It goes like this. On, on the Saturday, I do training one time and the next year I do the Sunday. Does that make sense? COVID sort of screwed it all up, as you know, and that didn't happen. But this time I'm with you for the Sunday and maybe next year it's a different thing. If after this Sunday they say, he's okay, we'll bring him back. We just don't know what can happen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, so it's a real privilege to be here with you guys, a real honour, and, and I've been looking forward to this a lot. Um, I think what I look for, I don't pastor a church, and this is good for two reasons. Firstly, for me. It's a good thing I don't have to put up with many people. Okay, these are jokes. You're you're really not getting them. Okay, that's a good thing. The second thing is that um, people don't have to put up with me. Right, that's a joke too, but no, it's not landing flat. Uh, My wife and I celebrated 45 years of marriage. Yeah, I haven't finished. Haven't finished the... You, you jumped, wow, you're clapping stuff and not laughing at others. Okay, so this uh, celebration took place and there were people in the church there and somebody said, um, how have you been married to him for so long? And she immediately responded with, he travels a lot. <laughs> so my work is to travel a lot and just be with church pastors and leaders and hopefully help them move forward in what they're doing. When I go into a church, there's something I'm looking for, especially when I'm there on the Sunday. And I'll tell you what it is. Does this church have its own voice or are they a copy of something else? And I've sat here today, well, okay, stood here today, haven't had a chance to enjoy these seats yet. I've stood here today and I have heard a unique voice that is portrayed through everything you do in this church. And let me tell you that, that is the secret to the kingdom of God, having a clear voice that belongs to who you are. So well done, guys, on getting the voice, the tone, the sound, the words, everything right. I think that is so fantastic. And I hope that makes sense to you because the last thing you just want to be is a copy of something else, don't you? You want to have a voice. You want to be a part of something that's making a declaration for its, in its own context for what it is. Does that make sense? All right. I want to get started with some verses now. And uh, I've got these on the screen so you can watch them. This is one of my favourites. And is this one found in 1 Corinthians 3. I'm not sure I'm going to read this. Oh, it's over there. And it's, that's better for me. 
1 Corinthians, no, that's not so good. I'll go over here. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, 8. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters, they are one, and one each one will receive his own reward. Listen, according to their labour. I don't know about you, but I've discovered that the church has become sometimes a church of, some people in the church because I don't want to do anything much. I'd rather just somebody else do it and I'll just sit back and enjoy the moment. And you know, the Bible teaches us that we are saved. We are going to heaven, let's say. We are going to an eternal place to be with God for eternity, not based on our merit or something we've done, but based on everything Jesus has done. The gospel is not about what I have done. It's, a, it's about everything Jesus has done. And he doesn't accept me. I accept him. I, he doesn't, if I come with this attitude of, I hope, I hope I'm good enough, God. I hope you'll accept me as, you know, for what I've done or what I haven't done. Well, actually what happens is I receive him and everything he's done. That's good news. Because I don't have to work for it. I, and that's why some people say, well, you know, um, I, I've been this person and that person. I don't think that and you're looking at it the wrong way. You can be whatever person you are. Receive what he's done. But once you've received what he's done, there's a need for us to engage in what he's doing. And what he's doing is building his kingdom. So there's no judgment for us or decision about our eternity. That's through the merits of Jesus, but there is a, a close look at what we're doing inside of the kingdom of God, how we're building it and that engagement, which is why we have gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's why we carry those because they have an end result, a functionality to them. And by the way, I just wanna say this. In the Sunday, I'm doing three services, but I'm doing three different messages. So if you want to go and have lunch somewhere and come back, maybe to the second one or third, you're very welcome. We'd love to see you back. You might say after the first message, I don't want to hear that again. I don't know. But I will be doing three completely different messages. And uh, so grab this one for what it is because the next one won't be the same. Is that okay? Completely different angle I'll be taking. So I found this quote, and we'll put it up on the screen. It says this. It came up before, but it was at the wrong time. It said, God gives every bird his food, but he doesn't throw it in the nest. That's a good one. Think about that. Now, that's an anonymous saying, so I put my name on it. Nobody knows who said it, so I might as well take it. It's a good saying, isn't it? God gives every bird his food, but he doesn't throw it in the nest. And that's what life is like. Well, life actually is a whole lot of decisions. Life and doing things right is a whole lot of decisions. And sometimes as Christians, we have different pictures of what life should be like. Many of us have this picture of what life should be like. Have a look at this graphic we have here. I, I, don't ask me why there's a cycle there, why the guy is on a cycle. He could well be walking. I do live in Copenhagen where we have 80,000 bikes in the rivers alone that people throw on the rivers. They have to pull them out every year, otherwise the rivers, drunk people throw them in there, people that don't want their bike anymore throw it in there. I actually personally own three bikes. There's one in the river. 
There's one at a train station. I can't remember where that is. And there's one at home I treasure a little. Actually, I've got two at home. I've actually got four bikes, to be fair. Um, so there's a man on a bike. Is it because I come from Copenhagen? No, 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 no. Man on a bike. What, what, what are we saying here? We're saying we want life to sort of go upwards in a straight line. And we want to finish higher than we started. That's what life should be like. But this is actually how life looks for most of us. It looks a bit more like that. You're on your bike, you go down sometimes, and then you come up and you cycle all the way up. You look at the view, it's wonderful, then it sinks a little, and then you end up in some water or some stuff you didn't expect to end up in. You get out of all of that, you you make a marker in life, and then life carries on, then there's a storm, and then you finish. That's more what life is like, isn't it? Life is more like that. It's, It's a whole lot of things going on at the same time we have to navigate. Who would have thought we had to navigate the last two years like we had to? It was something the whole globe faced. We didn't expect it. We had certain plans. We we thought things were going to take a different course, but it didn't end up that way. And that's because that's how life works. Now, theologically, let me say this. There are some views on how all this works. And I'll take one. The first one uh, we'll look at is what's called Calvinism. And I've got a screen on that so you can follow this. This was created, of course, by John Calvin. And John Calvin, 500 years ago, roughly, talked about the idea that God is, a, God is sovereign. He is God over all things. Every single detail, almost, God is in, is in the loop with. And he's working it all out. He talked about the depravity of humankind, that mankind essentially has no good in him. And he talked about the doctrine of predestination. That is, God has set it in place what will happen. And we've created out of this, listen carefully, what we might call, um, how we do life, the A plan. There's only one plan, and you're in it or you're out of it. So when you become a Christian, there's one plan, and we have to spend most of our life trying to figure out that plan. And I'm afraid to say that a lot of people still live like this. They struggle with, I've heard them say, well, I've, I fell out of the plan. I made a mistake over here and I'd love to do more things for God. But because I fell out of the plan, I don't know how to get back into the plan. I could stand here today and tell story after story of people who tell me these things. And you, and you think to yourself, what a sad thing that this is, that you feel you've or think you've missed God's plan for your life. And you're frustrated. And we talk like this sometimes about things, that God's sovereign and he'll do it all, but I've missed the plan, so I don't know now what I should do. Well, at the same time, there was a guy called Jacobus Arminius. That's a good name, isn't it? I'd love to see somebody name their children that one. What's my name? Jacobus Arminius. He was really um, another voice at the time. I'll show you how all these work in a moment. But he said this, God simply knows all things, and how they will turn out based on his all-seeing eye and knowledge. This gives room for free will and to influence outcome and process. The Arminian view would say that there has been freedom for us to make decisions and we will be accountable for them. So he came on the other side of the coin and he talked about, no, it's all about free will. That's called Arminianism. Many Pentecostal churches and, and so on, churches believe there's free will and there's, there's this opportunity to express in our own um, way, what we choose to do. Now, let me stop here and say this. All of these theologians were writing 
about the process of becoming a Christian. They didn't write about what happens after becoming a Christian. So really Calvin is saying, God is in the process of leading us to a relationship with Christ. Arminianism says, actually it's a matter of choice you make to make a decision for Christ. But here's the thing I wrestled with personally. I didn't want to know how I became a Christian. Once I became a Christian, I knew that. I was solid in that. What I wanted to know was, how do I do this now for 70 years? How do I do the right thing? How do I, do I get in the plan? Do I get out of the plan? And so when the followers of these authors, these great theologians were asked the question, how do we do life now for 70 years? We know Jesus, we're walking with Him, we have a relationship with Him. And what they did was basically borrow everything they said about being a, before you became a Christian and put it into what Christianity is. And that's a mistake. Because at the same time, there was another theologian, a French theologian called de Molinar, and he, he said this, and I love what he says, called middle knowledge. He wrote this, middle knowledge is the knowledge of the future eventualities, things that could happen, although many of them actually will not. What he's saying is, after you become a Christian, it's not whether there's an A plan or you can just have free will. There are actually decision moments in your life where you have to engage with God to make a great decision so you can do the things He's called you to do. Now, have a look at how they lived, these guys, because they all sort of lived about the same time. Here are their dates of um, born and how they died. They, They were what we call contemporaries. They were all talking the same stuff at the same time, but they were wrestling with different ideas. And particularly, this guy, de Molinar, was wrestling with the idea, wait, what do we do now to fulfill 1 Corinthians 3 and get the job done to build God's kingdom? How do we engage in this? What's our part to play? And he said that it's all about decision moments. See, when I become a Christian, and as you have done, and hopefully there's people out there today You're wrestling with this. Maybe you're away from God right now or you're not a Christian, you're not engaged, but you're reaching out for something. The great genius of what Jesus does for us when we become a Christian is give us hope and purpose and possibility. Even though life will deal its blows, we have hope, purpose and possibility. There's things that can change around us and we can get engaged in building God's kingdom. Do you know, I watched today as you came up, or we all came up and started putting something in the offering today. Even that simple act, as I think it was Steve rightly said, is doing something to change the society around here. Because you can put a church in here that is full of entertainment spaces. Here's a church in the middle of all of that because we actively give. That's a thing we choose to do. It's a thing we should do because we're building God's kingdom. See, we are saved and entering to kingdom of God, but we have this opportunity to serve Him, to labour for Him, to do things for Him that build His kingdom. And that's where this idea of middle knowledge or decision moments becomes so important. What I'm going to say to you is this. It's not just about free will, folks. Arminianism. It's not just about an A plan. It's about making great decisions. 
It's about doing the right thing when life is treating you the way it shouldn't. And you think it's not fair, it's not right. It's the decisions we make that change everything. It's the decision to connect into a life of a church. It's a decision to worship Him. It's a decision to make a change here or there. That's the key. And making those decisions, that's what's important. So I like DeMolina's view. We'll call his view, because you can't understand, I'm not going to unpack it theologically. I'll call his view the great GPS of the sky. God is the GPS system of the sky. We'll land it there. We, all right, so how, well, what do you mean? Well, previously to this idea, you, it's hard to understand what middle knowledge means. But now that we have GPS systems in our car, it's much easier to understand. So I'll explain it this way. This is how it works. You get in your car. And everybody I drive with pretty much does this. I do it every time I drive the car, even though I know where I'm going. And I'll tell you why. There's some things happening on the road I need to know as I drive to the place I'm going, and my GPS system will tell me. Google Maps will say, actually, this is a bit of a problem here. Why don't you take this route? You know, you've got options, haven't you? Isn't that awesome in, in life that your GPS system is trying to get you to the right place at the, in the right time, in the right way? And that's the nature of God, to get you to the right place, in the right way, in the right time. So you get in your car, you put it on, and I don't know what it is, but it's usually a lady telling me where to go. Ladies can't read maps, we know this. Uh, I knew I'd get that, I loved that straight away. Roshi comes in, ooh. Well, I know my wife, she usually would read them upside down and then that's why we got lost. But now we've got GPS systems, they're wonderful. And um, you put it in and um, first of all, it, you put in the destination where you want to be and the thing does a little wheel and it sorts out where you need to go. And as you drive along, it says, keep going straight ahead. Well, in life, sometimes I don't go straight ahead. I turn left. The GPS system, what does it do? It reconfigures based on that decision you made and finds another route because the decision is what's important. So it finds another route. It says, well, at the roundabout, turn right. What you do is, all right, I'll say me. What I do is I go straight ahead. The GPS reconfigures with the destination in mind and finds another route. It keeps doing this until it gets you, till we get on the path of where we need to go. It keeps doing this so that you might reach the place you need to reach. It keeps doing this to help you to do what you're asked and called to do by God. That's what it does. It's like that GPS system of the sky. It's genius. It's God's nature. It's who He is. I think it's a wonderful thing. But I've never heard my GPS ever in the time I've used it this way say to me, all right, I've had enough of this. You didn't do what I asked you to do. So I'm out. I'm closing down. Sort it out yourself. But that's how some people think God is because they have an A plan. And they think the A plan is this idea that he shuts you down now because you didn't do what you were told. You didn't follow the rule book. You didn't follow the lines. Well, the GPS system of the guy based on De Molina's theory or theology is no, God is a God of great grace. And he gives great room for us to function, which is why the scripture tells us 
there are a number of things that help us <coughs> in making good decisions. And let me look at them with you very quickly before I close to help you understand why they're there. Because if they're there for no other reason than just to be there, these disciplines, then what point is them? Is there being there? They're there to help you make the right decision in the middle of the moment. Here they are. Look at the list. Here's the first one. The first one is con whenever you're making a decision, consult with others. I don't know about you, but as a leader in the church, I'm a, I get these things said to me often. It goes like this. Um, I was praying and God told me to do this. What's your opinion? Well, I'm like, and I've had pastors say this. And I'm like, oh, I haven't got an opinion now because you just said God told me to do this. So anything I say is against what God, God has told you. So that's not going to work. And a guy came to me and said, I, I, God's told me to plant a church there. What's your opinion? And I said, I have no opinion on that. It won't work, but I have no opinion on that. I wouldn't do that if I was you, but I'm not saying any. Isn't that a crazy thing to say? Here's how you do it. You, this is what you do when you consult with your pastors, your small group leader, your friends. You, see, you say this, I'm wrestling with an idea. Could you help me navigate this? I'm coming to a point where I need to make a decision. I feel God speaking to me. Can you help me understand this? That's why we have consultation of peers and friends and leaders. The next one is follow the peace trail. What's peace saying to you? Paul talks about this in Scripture, about how peace is a guiding rule. What's peace for us if it isn't help us, to help us make the right decisions at the right moment? Here's another one. Connect with your conscience. Now, it can't be conscience on its own because conscience doesn't get it right all the time. But conscience is a part of the process. Here's another one. Embrace Scripture. If you're not reading Scripture, how do you know what to do, what the Word of God is saying to you about those things? Most of the basics of doing Christianity are clearly defined in the Word of God. The next one is circumstantial circumference. That's a big word. What it means is there's circumstances around your decision that should line up somewhere, that should make sense to you as you navigate this process. These are all in the Bible, and here's another one, specialised in the spiritual. Why have I just, I could just say, listen to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Specialise in the Spirit. So understand spiritually God is speaking. Why are all those things that are in Scripture there for us? They're there to help us navigate the moment we need to make that great decision. The moment we need to step into the next phase of doing what God has called us to do is that Right there, that there's a middle knowledge. God knows it all. He knows the eventuality of every decision we make, but His grace helps us navigate it. Sorry, folks, I'm gonna tell you this. I don't believe in Calvinism when it comes to being a Christian. I don't believe in one single plan and you're either in it or out of it. I don't believe it's just a matter of, oh, free choice, I'll do what I like. I believe it's a matter of navigating every decision with all those guidelines so you get it right when you get there so you can get to the destination you're called to, so you can do the things that build the kingdom of God. And at the end of the day, even if I wander off here or there, God's grace is navigating help and energy to get there because He's a great God. And before we leave this place, there's some of you here today who need to make a decision actually, not about these things, but just about understanding who God is for you. Andrew will talk to you about that later, but just asking for a change in your own life. Maybe you're sitting there looking, well, this doesn't concern me because I'm, I'm just trying to figure out who God is right now. Will there be an opportunity for you right now to step into that moment and say, I want to receive all that Jesus has done for me?